Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me again. Hey, uh, here we are with part two of our interview with David Moyes. And um, hey, thanks for all the great response to part one of this interview. There were some really, um, really cool messages, uh, people who really enjoyed that. Hearing about Dave's stories, time with Air Supply, touring the world, uh, hooking up with Ibanez guitars, all that kind of stuff. Now, if you haven't heard part one, you can get that from guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com or if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, that's really easy to do or look us up on Stitcher. There's lots of ways to listen to the Guitar Speak podcast. All right, part two of our interview with Dave. We pretty much pick up from where we left off, Dave and most of the band, most of the uh, Air Supply backing band have been dumped from their gig fairly unceremoniously. If you want to learn how not to fire your band, listen to episode one. Anyway, we uh, we pick up from there. So Dave got involved in, in the Sydney session scene, played on some really big film soundtracks, uh, amongst other sessions, lots of commercials and, and various things. Uh, we also talk about uh, Dave's involvement with Hillsong Music and uh, the albums he played on, the tours he did, and just being part of of that worship team and really central to all that is is Dave's Christian faith which he does talk about as well in this episode there's production credits for Dave um, there's some albums I worked with with David on um, which was awesome such a privilege to be involved we talk about that Dave's solo career he's writing some of his own stuff we get a sneak peek of one of his tracks which is cool um, David also mentions a left hand injury. Now, a hand injury for any musician is pretty serious stuff. Um, we spoke more about this off off air, but um, he does mention that. And basically, uh, his left hand, he can't play for a long time. He can still play and do the stuff, but he's just managing that at the moment and getting various um, treatments. So, um, so far, so good. And, and we wish, wish Dave all the best with that, of course. All right, so let's move on to uh, let's move on to the interview with David Moyes. I um, started off part two by asking him what was next after the air supply days. So what did you move on to then? So what what was the next thing for you? Well, from then uh, I have to give him a testimony, mate. I have to tell what happened. Yeah. About about the whole Christian thing and whether I don't know how much of this you want to publish, but I'll I'll give it to you and you can do what you want with it. Sure. Because on on the road, in brief, anyway as briefly as I can mm-hmm. on the road. I, um, uh, I don't know. I think most musicians are spiritual in some way. They've, this, they've got, you know, there's an aspect about music that touches the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious about this guy called Jesus and never really had a Christian upbringing, but I was curious about him. And my, my dear old mum, who was a Christian, always a Christian all through those years would always say, if you get in trouble, just, Ask Jesus to help you out, uh-huh. and uh, he will. And I'd placate her and say, yeah, yeah, thanks, Ma. Um, but uh, I think not long before, so this would have been 82, end, end of the 82 tour, which mm-hmm. was only supposed to be three months, went on to be eight months. Um, I got to a point, you know, we were being in litigation because we'd sued our Australian management and countersued and blah, blah, blah. And I found myself in New Orleans, uh, really on my bed, um, quite alone, really wanting to know, you know, if this Jesus person was who he said he was. So I, I really basically just said, put it out there and said, look, if you really are who you are, you know where I'm at right now. And with every fibre of my being, I asked him to take charge of my life. 
um, and there, there were no hallelujah choruses, so nothing really changed, uh, except when we did finally come back, I found myself in a service in the Sydney Town Hall. You know the story already, Matt. Yeah. Um, and uh, my life forever changed when I um, accepted God's call to receive his son, Jesus. Right. So, um, and that's not religion. It is just a very, very personal <clears throat> revelation of God when, you, when your heart is opened up there. So musically, that led me into the whole gospel, you know, worship kind of thing. So you were living in Sydney by now, back in Sydney? Still back in Sydney, yeah. Um, but I was doing a lot of session work as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess you know, post-air supply, my focus was pretty much sessions, doing you know, film scores and playing on film scores and, uh, you know, the Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2 and various um, uh, television plays, uh, Harp in the South. Um, wow. Strictly ballroom. Um, yeah, uh, just pretty much anything. Commercials forever, obviously. Okay. Um, just, yeah, playing, playing on, it was kind of like the clean team during the air supply days in Sydney was... Uh, Pretty much Ralph, myself, Brian, uh, sorry, Dave Green, the bass player, yeah, uh, and Rex and Frank Esther Smith. So we pretty much do everything, okay, back in those days. Wow, that's cool, very cool. Um, I was talking to Peter yeah. Northcott a while back, he was he was probably starting to come up and do sessions perhaps around then, too. Well, it's very interesting you mentioned Peter, yeah. Uh, Peter is a phenomenal player, um. He, you're right. He was just this young guy, just kind of starting out. He was doing a few club gigs here yeah. and there. Um, I got to the stage where, because of the development and growth in my own personal life, particularly spiritually, and my involvement with church music, mm -hmm. um, I got to the point where I just didn't want to do sessions and, and well, particularly live gigs. Okay. I didn't want to do live gigs anymore. Yeah. Um, play the pubs and stuff. So I had a whole heap of stuff going on that I rang up Peter and gave to Peter. Okay. So, um, not that I'm, I am, <laughs> yeah, not that I'm the cause of his growth as a musician, but you know, it, it certainly gave him a whole bunch of stuff that he probably didn't otherwise have. Yeah, right. Um, and he's just gone from strength to strength. Yeah. What I love about Peter, apart from the fact that he's a fun guy. Um, and a great musician. He he is probably the only guy. In, um, Rex is a little bit this way, but Peter really took being a session player and made it a business. This is my business, and, okay. and yeah. he treated it super professionally. Yeah. Um, and and he just he just didn't, not in any area did he compromise mm -hmm. in his professionalism. Um, Many guitar players would rock up, and it was kind of, you know, the old boys' time, you know, and we'd, we'd set up and play and have a good time. But Peter would always rock up with everything yeah. you'd possibly need for a, for a, a session. His guitars in perfect order, and he would he would also put on a show. Like he'd get up and play the guitar like a rock god yeah. <laughs> in the studio. So um, I have huge respect for Peter. He's he's a terrific player and a great guy and, and got a really good head on his shoulders mm. that's cool and he yeah he definitely acknowledges um 
yeah, there were a lot of a lot of guys around that time who were uh, like Tommy Emmanuel and um, uh, Jim yeah. Kelly, who really encouraged him along as well as as yourself did. So, yeah, oh, cool. oh, Jim. Jim was well. Jim. Jim was probably another one of those guys that really uh, hammered home this juxtaposed phrase uh, to to relax. Mm-hmm. He, he would always say, always say, man, just relax, just just relax, man. You know, don't don't be, don't allow yourself to get tense. Just um, just be still and let things rise. You know, he would always say that. And if you watch him play, that's the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He's um, he's a very a real yeah. He's a, he's I mean a, a great technician and a musician. But he's when I listen to Jim play, I, I call him a lover. He's a lover. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, there's something about his playing that's really, um, really sweet. That's cool. Mm. Nice. So um, just to back up a little, so you're doing like film scores and things. Um, what, yep. Were you reading? Like, are you a great reader? Yep. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a great reader. Um, uh, I wasn't a, a great reader. Um, but is that is that the expectation on the gig though? You get, you know, you get a page of dots and yeah, you're working your way through. Yeah, look... Yeah, it depends on the gig and depends on the producer, stroke composer. Um, if you're working for someone like Ashley Irwin, everything's written out. Um, and Ashley was was living in Sydney at the time. He's now over in LA doing um, all kinds of movies. He does the Academy Awards and all sorts of things. Um, but Ashley, um, Ashley would write everything out. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, like I, I had to play bazooki on a whole bunch of, pretty much every day for about three months <laughs> wow. on this this um, television series we were doing. I can't remember what it was. Um, so first of all, I had to learn how to play bazooki, and then I had to translate <laughs> that the dots on the bazooki. So yeah, sometimes you're called to do things that you're not used to doing. Yeah. So you've uh, kind of got to go home and do some homework, you know. Yeah. Um, which That's I guess cool. is obvious, but sure. Yeah, and then this Peter Best, who who did all the Crocodile Dundee stuff, his stuff was a little looser. Um, if there were particular notes he wanted to hear, mm-hmm. uh, he would he'd definitely write it down. Okay. Um, but his scores were always very simple. His 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 way of writing was entirely different to Ashley. Ashley would have notes flying everywhere, and and you know big big orchestral stuff or quite complex time timing things. Yeah which often happens in movies anyway. Peter would, if you listen to the score on Crocodile Nundee and pretty much anything else he's done, it's it's kind of underscore and, and moody and, and and just good grooves and sounds and tones and things that work with the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a different sort of writer. Okay. So, Writing-wise, there wasn't a lot of, not a lot of dots with Peter. With Ashley, yes. So were you playing to? Were you like watching uh, any any visual cues, or were you just recording ideas? 
and uh, then the more producers often than not, no, more often than not, you're playing to score, to the to picture. So okay, um, and which is a fairly important thing to do in in uh, film scoring because you've got the music there, but you you really need to the in, the instrumentalist needs to understand what's going on mm-hmm. uh, visually because it actually bring it makes you play differently. You'll play mm-hmm. the same notes, but you'll have a different intent. You'll you'll play to the to the visual. Um, which kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about in the beginning. Um, you, you, you've got to have a desire to want to move, to emote uh, the heart of the listener. Uh, and so, and the only way you can, you can do that is from your own heart. You know, so when you're seeing a picture and you're playing a piece of music, uh, that picture is going to affect you. Yeah. Those visuals are, are going to emotionally affect you, and they'll they. Hence, what you play will have a different outcome, have a different sense. So, yeah, always playing the visuals. Yeah, right. Very rarely not. Wow, that's cool. That must have been an exciting time. Yes. Oh, no, it's terrific. I mean, that's and – and the thing, you know, if you translate that to a band, yep. for anybody that's in a band listening, uh, don't play to yourselves. How many bands just sit in and play to themselves, man? I mean, it's, it's horrible. For the, for the people out there, they pay good money to come and see you. And they want to be moved. They want to, they want to have a good time. So every single band member, whether from the drummer, bass player, guitar player, keyboard player, should be facing out and be totally focused on your audience. Yeah. Um, you've heard me say that a thousand times, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. In years past, and just just give out, give out to your people, and be be right up front of stage and and engage your people. Um, because as you look out over your audience, that'll that actually makes you play different. Because you, you, you're trying to speak to their heart, so to yeah, speak, sure. without getting too weird. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you mentioned you mentioned church music, and this is where you and I met. Um, like you, I was not brought up in the church, but in um, it was 1986. I started going to church with some mates, and and that had a huge impact on my life as well. And it must have been the early 90s when when I met you at, at Hillsong when you started attending there and, and joined the music That's team. Right. Yeah, and um, that was that was awesome for me. It was such a um, yeah. There were there were a few. There was a handful of guys, and you were definitely one of them who really mentored me. And I just learned a lot just by hanging around you. And and to get to play with you was 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 awesome. I was I was petrified oh, at first. Buddy. Here's the air supply guy, and um, but I, I realized very quickly you were just a, a, just a great guy and a wonderful guitar player. And like the rest of us, just mad about yeah. making music and and stuff absolutely what um yeah. so in those days of hillsong i think you would have played on some of the first albums um there'd been some albums previous but you played on some of the first albums which seemed to make again an impact in america and um you found yourself touring yeah. america um doing very different yeah. gigs than oh, the air supply ones gig. yeah <laughs> um, but playing you know touring doing church services and and meetings and things yeah. Tastes like. Uh, yeah, wonderful. I look. It's a funny thing because, um, yeah. Look, when I first came to Hillsong, I, I I came from Brian's father's church initially. That's that's where I 
first came to know the Lord, um, yeah. and moved across to Castle Hill. Um, music, musically, it was um, well, weekend warriors, you know. Yeah. People yeah. Have, having a go on the weekend, and so yeah, I guess a lot of my role initially. This is just a preamble to your question. A lot of my role was um, was I felt anyway was to. Uh, more than tell people stuff just to be. And like you just mentioned, you know, you just by watching, um, you know, how, how I went about doing what I did, people picked up a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, and then, definitely. of course, there are times when you, you actually do talk about groove and we take the time out to try and grow yeah. skill sets, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was it's more about, more about uh, you know, like rocking up on time, making sure your gear has actually got fresh strings. I mean, yeah making sure your you guitar necks set up correctly, mm -hmm. you know, drum skins, you know, if they're worn out, man, change them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all this kind of stuff of, of really starting to think about your instrument as an extension of your own heart and mm -hmm. your own voice. Um, and I think that brought a lot of change, which translated into a different sound uh, and, a, and a sound that almost certainly had influences you know, from, from my time with Air Supply, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But then other people take it up and bring them, bring what they bring, you know. Yeah, sure. So the touring side, very different. <laughs> <laughs> What's what was quite funny though is when we go to these tours, and they were quite large tours. Yeah. Because um, um, much like Air Supply, it was fairly quick with Hillsong. I think um, Darlene's song "Shout to the Lord" is the one would have been been Hillsong's "Lost in Love," you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, really. A lot of people caught onto that song and it had a huge impact. So this is around 93, 94, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we didn't really start doing major touring until I think 96, I think it was, okay. something like that. Um, okay. Um, but, yeah, look, it was, for me personally, it was fantastic because now I had an opportunity to, to kind of bring whatever it is that you know, musically I have to bring uh, to, to worship God, you know, um, and that's kind of what music's primarily about for me these days doesn't mean I'm just playing uh, you know, worship type music. It doesn't really matter what I do, whether I'm playing on a, on a, a pop album or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really about making sure that the the production, the guitar playing, the sound, it, it's got to move a heart, man. It's got to when you hear it, it's got to you got to go, wow, that's that's really, you know, it moves you. What was funny about those tours is I'd have fans you know of air supply that would used to come to my old concerts would come up and you know <laughs> they were either christians back then or had become christians right coming up saying oh wow man how cool you know good to see you <laughs> and it's, it's so great and it's uh it's quite funny our, our friend peter king who's now in nashville he played keyboard on on some of those hillsong tours and he would say you were always the last guy on to get in the bus or whatever um, I was always what the last guy to get last? on the bus. Yeah, the last one because oh, okay. half the crowd, yeah, had had met you previously, and you, you had all these friends all around America that uh, wanted to say good day and and catch up. Yeah, yeah that's, well, that's true. I mean, everywhere we went, there were people that that knew me and, and wanted to catch up and say hi. And it was a, it was um, it, it was great actually. It was really really great because you, you're going back from a different place, you know. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of a lot of fun. <laughs> you ended up doing some production work, um, and this is yeah. this is as I mentioned before. Um, yeah, I ended up um, playing on a, a couple of albums, some of the Youth Alive albums that you produced, and 
oh man, I know, and I tell everyone this, you worked us so hard. Um, Simon Raffalo, the other guitar player and I, we often uh, talk about this with affection, <laughs> um, but so. you worked us so hard, but it was so good. And we, we really grew as guitar players. I remember, I'll never forget this. Like you talk about relaxing and having soft hands. I remember I was doing an overdub in your home studio. It was on, um, I don't remember the song, but it was on an acoustic guitar and it was just some simple, really strumming pattern. But like, um, I don't know, like, like, like a lot of musicians, you know, if, if I got more intense, I would rush, um, my timing would be, yeah. be poor and, uh, getting bigger meant going faster, which is not always the best idea. But I remember just <laughs> once I just, it just clicked. It was like a light bulb. And I, I finally felt what you were saying to me and, and I just felt yeah. myself to sit back in the seat a little more. My hands got a little soft and I went, okay. That's what it's about. That, and so I, I always remember that. I mean, there was plenty of other things too, but I always remember that moment and just thinking, okay, this is what this is what Dave's been telling me for the last five years that I've known him. And, and um, <laughs> man, as guitar player, we just learned so much about, tone, like you said, about tones, about looking after our guitars. There was one album I remember you, you made sure in the budget, we, we had our guitars set up by, um, I think it was Tom Doss who was doing your guitar yes that's right Tom yeah. yeah of course oh man I'd never had a fret a fret um, a fret job done before I'd never I don't think that's right, that's right you guys had these great gouges oh, in the frets that's we, right it was just oh man and then which yeah. of course you can't you can't play in tune man it's impossible yeah that's what we found out so <laughs> so if the, oh this is why this is why this is part of the budget great great so you know our guitars <laughs> were like brand new it felt like I had a brand new neck and yeah, all that stuff. But yeah, man, I, I warmly remember those those days. And oh, as I said, um, and you were generous with your guitars. Simon, being a left-hander, you know, we scoured some extra left-handed guitars. But I remember playing your or your artist, as we mentioned. The big thing for me was playing your Telecaster. Um, you had a like a natural finish Tele. I don't know if it was like a, right. a reissue or something. And, um, well, yeah, I think I think it was actually originally a cream. Um, telly that had been, um, yeah, they'd taken a right back to the, to bare wood to like um, Bruce Springsteen's then guitar. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, lovely. I've still got it. Yeah, cool. That, uh, I remember playing that through a deluxe a lot of the time, and we yeah, nice. And we just, you know, you just got us to turn up or down the deluxe as much as we needed to to make it sing, and that was um. That was fun, little Fender Deluxe. But there was a bunch of amps, yeah. So we learned so much, just, and I learned so much just sitting under, under your production, and yeah. That's that, great, thanks, buddy. Man, That's good. We were making a yeah. record, but it felt like we were going to guitar school. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> really satisfying i mean you're a teacher so you you know what i'm saying here what's really satisfying is is uh when, when you take that time out and it, you know it might take a little while for it to sink in sink in but when it does mm -hmm. and you see people the lights go on i mean man that's just yeah there's your payback right yeah, there yeah 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 
Uh, and so, I, I mean, I find that even today, I think brings me great joy when I sit down and have a chat to people, even if it's just, you know, over a cup of coffee and you're talking about conceptual things um, that that uh, maybe people are not aware of and then they get it and it makes such a difference. And that's, um, it's not that it doesn't puff you up, it actually just brings joy to know that somebody's actually found something new that they can move forward on. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Because that's, that's how it happened for me. So you just pass it on. Pass right? it on, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah, teaching, that's that's the thing. And um, and then later I became a music director in another church and, and what am I doing? I'm just passing on the stuff I learned from you and, and, and the guys, you know. And others, yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah it's, it's terrific. It's cool, hey? Very cool. Awesome. I must say, my time with Tommy was also um, was very precious too. Yeah, Tommy Emmanuel. Um, yeah, Tommy. Tommy helped out on that very, very first album. Because, mm-hmm. um, like I mentioned, I was having a few challenges with my tone, um, and I think probably emotionally, I was having a few problems because um, uh, I think the pressure of it all kind of gets on top of you. You know, sure. Tommy grew up in a in a musical family. For him, at that time, he's you know he's considerably well, considerably, he's 10 years older than me, but mm-hmm. he, um, he uh, you know, he, he was he was always the king, and still is today, the king guy. He's the king. Yeah. Um, so he came and did a, a few things. Robbie Porter was actually producing a couple of the songs. And uh, he came up and did a few, did some pieces on some of the songs. And okay. It was just great getting to meet him, getting to know him. And uh, we went on to become really, really good friends and do a lot of recording together as wow, the years went awesome. on. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's awesome having those people. I spoke to um, uh, Michael Fix. I don't know if you know Michael Fix. He's a, an acoustic player. Um, yeah, I've I've met him met him a couple of times. We're not we're not sort of close friends. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he he. I mean, he's great. He's up in Queensland now, but he's um. Oh, he's an amazing player. Wow. Yeah, and he he spent a lot of time with Tommy Emmanuel when he moved up to Sydney and. Um, yeah, he, yes. talk, he talks about the big brother idea. He says you need big brothers, and um, yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. like Tommy's been one to a few people, and and yeah, it filters down. Yeah, so that's that's yeah, that's really cool. So what happened? Um, so by the late nineties, um, you're yep, you've you've sort of picked up with some of your American connections, and you're touring with different sort of gospel yeah. setups. Well. Don Moan, who was at the time a part owner of Integrity, mm-hmm. uh, which was arguably the, the largest, uh, well, certainly most prolific um, distributor of gospel music in the world, yeah. certainly in North America. Yeah. Um, um, I think the first, it was Shout to the Lord. I think that was the first album that, that we Hillsong did with, with Integrity. Okay. Yep. Uh, so they flew out. As, which is their custom to be there for the recording. Um, but during my time there, I got to meet um, Don, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we were texting each other on our Blackberries. We, you know, <laughs> you, you thought we were so high tech. Yeah, you know? well, you were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, he he. Uh, some some weeks later, I I said I, I sent him a text, just very being being very cheeky. I was really just having fun. Said so. Um, so I'll see you next week in uh, Japan for your tour, <laughs> um, just as a joke, you yeah. know. And he wrote back and said, "Okay, uh, the tickets are on their way," and they were. So um, that that's kind of how we <laughs> got to get moving. <laughs> and Don had um, has always had the best players he can possibly have. Yeah. So his his standard band was um, 
my hero. They were my heroes as, as, as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Le Boreal, um, wow. um Not every tour, but on some, a number of them. Chester Thompson. From, oh, boy. Um, Weather Report and yeah. um, Phil. Genesis, Phil Collins, yeah. Genesis, yeah, Phil oh, Collins. Um, Sheila E. from Prince. Um, Sheila E. did those tours. Yeah, she wow. she did percussion, um, on and on percussion and some and played drums on some tracks as okay. well. Okay, some wow. things. Um, Paul Jackson Jr. Um, from uh, Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, yeah. Houston Mario, who was who is not so well known, but um, amongst musos, just an exceedingly well respected flautist and you know, woodwind player. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And we also had this this guy. I can't remember his name. He was Korean. Korean American, who was Phil Collins's uh, trumpet player. Um, okay. He would join us on occasion, but yeah. So wow. that was the next five years in between doing Hillsong stuff. Um, yeah. I'd go out on the road doing these tours through Asia wow. with these players and recording live albums, uh, studio albums, and and the like. And it was uh, it was fantastic. It's interesting. Um, just just on a. Um, again, I probably told you this story before, but I'll mention it. Um, on one of my tours with Air Supply, I went to a place called the Baked Potato in Los Angeles, which yeah, I think yeah. even to this day is still going. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, a favoured club for musos. And um, I was expecting to see Larry Carlton. Mm-hmm. He didn't rock up. A band called Quinonia uh, rocked oh, up. Okay. Um, and that was Abe's Orioles were... band, hey? Abe's band with uh, Hadley Hawkins, Smith, Dean Parks. Um, wow. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember their names. Um, Maxwell, Billy Maxwell. Um, these are all kind of king hit session players of the uh-huh. 70s and early 80s yeah. in Los Angeles. Anyway, he got up there and, he, and bef- before he started, he sits up and he says, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for coming to the baked potato. <laughs> We'd just like to thank our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll save you for this evening and hope you have a good time. And <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, you guys are Christians? you got to be joking, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, that actually had quite an impact on me. So the first time I actually met Abe um, was over breakfast in some hotel in Seoul, Korea. Wow. Um, and uh, he, he had heard I was going to be joining the tour, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't know that story. So we, uh, we kind of... Uh, I told him that story, and it was a bit of a bit of an emotional time for us both. So yeah, it was great cool. because it, it just showed that what he, you know, him being himself really had an impact on me. So yeah. fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, he's he's amazing. If you, yeah, you ever seen play? He's just full of so much joy and musicianship, oh. and and he just rolls it all into this force. He's yeah, incredible. It must have been such such an amazing time for you and all those other guys far out. Yeah, yeah, and look, you know that I think they're they're common denominator with them all outside of musicianship. But this is a, what I believe makes them such great musicians mm-hmm. is that they are ex- humble, um, very very disciplined. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean they know they craft very well, but they're just beautiful people. They're mm-hmm. really lovely people. Yeah, and uh, exceedingly intelligent. My goodness, Abraham! What Abraham doesn't know is not worth talking about. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Very well read. Wow. Speaks something like six different languages. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he certainly yeah, speaks so them on a... the bass as well, so that's that's cool. Oh, he what does, doesn't thing? he? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, so fast forward a bit. You um, 
you're now you're now back in your home state of South Australia, and you were inducted into their Hall of Fame, uh, or into their Music Hall of Fame last year. That must have been pretty cool. Last November, yeah, um, <laughs> bit of a surprise. The the guy who was the, I guess you call him the trustee or whatever you call uh, of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, a guy called Enrico Mick Morona, who's um, Kate Sabano's drummer for many years. Okay. Um, moved to London for 12 years, and his family are all here, being Italian. Mm-hmm. Adelaide's a big Italian city. Yeah. He moved back here, and, and uh, he, he, Enrico is just one of these guys who's a natural-born promoter. And he'd been trying to contact me for some probably close to three years, sending me emails. And, and it's just the way the emails, the way he contacted me. I thought it was some sort of bogus hack, you know. <laughs> so I just blew it off every time until I got a phone call from uh, from uh, Mark Meyer, the drummer from Moving Pictures, my old high school mate, yeah, you're saying, old, listen, yeah. Dave, what, what's, the, what's the go, man? <laughs> Enrico's trying to get a hold of you. I said, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> he said, yeah, he, wa- he wants to induct you into the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I was in good company that night too. I had Bill Chambers was oh, okay. inducted along uh, with a, a luthier. Um, yeah, I forgot his name. Okay. He, he's, he's, he's a guitar maker here in Adelaide, been making classical guitars uh, and, and some electric, but mainly... Very, very high-end classical guitars, I believe, for, uh, okay. uh, for quite a few years. So, yeah, it was a fun night. It was That's great. great. Fantastic. I had um, I put a band together and and uh, sang three air supplies, one of my own little songs, which I might give for you to play to your audience. Yeah, um, great. And, uh, and a song by a band called Mercy Me, which is uh, called Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I even had my son, Alexander, in the band, which oh, was awesome. Great. What, what does he play? Uh, he's a guitar player. Okay. He's, he's picking it up. He's oh, starting cool. to pick it up. And an old friend of yours and mine from way back, Paul Yanazelli. Oh, great. Fantastic. Playing keys. Oh, cool, yeah. man. That's great. So it, was a good, it was a great little band. Congratulations! That's that's a that's a huge honour, and um, I'm glad you finally returned the call or picked up the phone. And um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very honoured. Uh, it's, um, it's a, yeah, we're in good company. I mean, there's Glenn Shorrock, B. Birdles, all those guys. They're all, they've been inducted recently. I think uh, Doc Neeson and uh, Chris Bailey from uh, the Angels. Yeah, have just been inducted, and of course, because they're, they're they were Adelaide guys as well to start with. Oh man, the, the so number much of people. Good music, yeah. The number of amazing musicians and bands and writers that have come out of this town, and still, I mean, uh, um, Orianthe, is that her name? Okay, um, that's right. She's she's from Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Plays like crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good, it's a great town. Come yeah. on down. <laughs> awesome, man. You've got the, um, uh, you got the guitar festival too, don't you? Is it yeah, the I believe guitar so. Guitar festival in. Um, yeah. August, September, or something. That looks really yep. cool. Fantastic. Hey, you mentioned um, you mentioned off air and and just alluded to it um, just then. You, you're doing some original stuff. You're you're writing your own stuff. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, it's something I've wanted to do for <laughs> for ages. And it, look, I figure if it's a, a little burst right at the end of my life, well, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something I've wanted to do all my life, um, but somehow just. For one reason or another, whether it be you know, lack of uh, self-confidence or whatever, I've just never kind of got around to it, okay. um, which I think most people suffer from at various times. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm writing, um, coming up with some interesting stuff. Um, right. I have no desire to be the greatest next pop you know, sensation at 58. That's probably not likely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Or you never know. I you might never have know. Really Why weird, not? Might have, might have some weird video clips to go with the music. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, just writing some, some stuff. And it, and what little I've played to audiences so far has been very well received. So Great. We'll see what happens, That's mate. That's cool. We'll see what happens. What, what kind of stylistic avenue are, very you, good, are you exploring? Very good question. Um, I, I'm, I have quite an eclectic and broad mm-hmm. um, uh, taste. Uh, this this first couple of songs, I don't know what you would call them, man. They're uh, kind of they've kind of got a bit of a European sort of flavour, I guess, in a way. Um, uh, you just have to listen to them, and you give me your <laughs> your okay. idea. Okay, cool. Uh, but it, but it, they're it's they're about songs. It's more about songs and uh, what I would do. To, to, a, to a song yep. so I'm okay. doing to my own songs so um, so I'm actually fighting I'm actually singing great so it's more for me these days it's more about my voice than okay. uh, as a singer than a, being a guitar player just yeah right that's cool but knowing you yeah, the guitar and... parts will be impeccable <laughs> well they'll be uh, they, they, I expect they would be tasty and appropriate yeah <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe a little little different to what you would expect perhaps oh, cool. i'm very curious to hear this stuff dave that's that's awesome <laughs> that's so good uh, excellent you've yeah, got a gig I'm, in look, october you, you actually well gonna... at the moment i have a gig on for at the, the wheat chief pub here in adelaide on the 14th of october i I'm, i haven't absolutely committed to that yet i've told enrico who's actually booked a gig um that i'm i am having a few challenges with my left hand and yeah. um but I, I'm going to have to give him a, a definitive in the next three weeks. So, okay. So let's hope my hands come together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, I can play. Yeah. Uh, it's just I can't play for long. Okay. Without it hurting a lot. So, sure. Yeah. Maybe you could um, 
I, I don't mean to be flip about this, but maybe you could be like BB King and just sing and then just pull out Lucille for the solo. Well, it's interesting you should say that because at the induction, that's exactly what happened. Oh, okay. And that's, that's what's, that's, that's uh, without me even trying. Yeah, right. Um, I, I had, um, I had the songs really well put together. I made sure that, you know, the, the various players had got their parts together well. So yeah. I was pretty much free to kind of, to just jab and stab and, and interject and punctuate where I needed to. Oh, cool. And really it was, it was actually really all about the singing. So, yeah, right. Um, so that's kind of where I'm heading. Okay. Um, which means that I can still go ahead and record all the parts myself. Yeah, Although sure. Although I'm actually really enjoying, really enjoying having other players come on board. Mm-hmm. It's because um, I can hand pick who I want. Yeah, And um, uh, you know, if there's a certain a player I know that has a certain flavour, a certain approach that I think would be good for a song, I can get them. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, that's just a, a wonderful area I'm moving into now that I've I've never really kind of done for myself. Cool. It's always been for someone else. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's bringing a yeah. Really, honestly, man, I've I've never been happier, been never been more creative, never had more fun than I am now. So brilliant. Yeah. Well, Dave, man, I've got to thank you so much. You've um, you've given us a lot of time and then. Um, an amazing amount of stories. Um, I didn't know half of this stuff, probably less. So, um, do you know, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. have to have you back again then. Um, but good, mate. mate, half the reason I've started this podcast is because I, I want to talk to guitarists I'm interested in and, and want to hear their stories. It's, it's, it's for me as much as anyone, but, um, there'll yeah. be lots of people who will really be, um, who I know will really enjoy hearing from you and, and hearing your story and your background and, and um, yeah, you've uh, you've touched a lot of people all around the world with your playing, and um, great to hear you're still still creating things, and and uh, there's more to come. Yeah, there is definitely more to come. Uh, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to publish it all, but um, that that will definitely present itself. I have I have a uh, I have a strong belief that a good song you can't hold down. So yeah, yeah, you know, guitar playing is really really important. Um, but I mean, even guitar players that uh, are about guitar playing, like melody, like you have Steve Eyes and things like that. Sure. It's still a song. Still a song. a song. Yes. Yes. So even though there may not be a lyric with it, um, the melody and the, uh, it's, it's just got to speak. It has to be strong. So, um, yeah, that's, that's cool. uh, you can't, and you can't hold those things down. Once, if you've got a good song there, whether it's got lyric or not, um, they kind of take on a life of their own. And you, you really can't hold them down. So, cool. so I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that that's uh, that's my expectation anyway. Yeah, great, cool. Well, mate, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. No and, worries. Um, thank we'll, you very much, Katie. We'll listen out for your stuff, and um, and we'll have to talk again once you get your your record together. Great. Thanks for being on the podcast, Dave. Thanks, mate. All right, there it is, uh, part two of the interview with Dave and Moyes. And, um, man, I loved catching up with Dave, um, obviously, I guess. Um, he's a, such an inspiring musician, and on a personal level, I love just catching up and, and, and seeing what he's up to now, all the way over in South Australia. You know what I love about our show? We've got some guests who've had some really distinguished and long careers uh, as guitar players, but are still still making music, still finding ways to express their creativity on the instrument, which is super cool, super inspiring. All 
Alright, so that's just about it for us here at the Guitar Speak Podcast. Now remember you can listen to all of our past episodes at guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can listen to us and subscribe on Stitcher. So whatever devices you're using for your uh, podcasting enjoyment, um, you'll be able to find us somewhere. Hey, if you're enjoying the episodes, um, please share them around. It really makes a huge difference to us in, in getting the word out. Uh, so yeah, if you can share them on your Facebook or your Instagram or whatever you use, um, that's awesome. Hey, thanks again for joining me. My name's Matt Wakeling and we'll see you next time on the Guitar Speak podcast. <laughs>